Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Hey, Boiling Pointers. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Before we start, Dave and I want to let you know all about our Boiling Point process, online courses, live events, and masterminds. After interviewing hundreds of leaders, we've packaged a ton of knowledge together to serve up to you. Info that will help you and your company be heard in a very noisy marketplace. So visit www.boilingpointprocess.com and sign up for the email newsletter and we'll let you know when our next cohort or event is. Thanks also for supporting The Boiling Point by subscribing to us on iTunes and also leaving a rating for us. So we're back and we're on Zoom. And what's hard about this for, for anyone that's watching or listening is that I'm actually holding the mic Oh my in gosh! My hand because this thing is just okay. So drop. As, okay. as we're speaking, I'm, I'm hoping our uh, incredible tech, uh, audio techs out in the other room can come and no, help. No, it's all right. It's all, it's all good. It's all good. But um, <laughs> yes, th- <laughs> there we go. I'm holding the mic. Um, but that's how we roll at the bowling point uh, in the bowling point um, podcast booth, and uh, and and we have a wonderful guest. And we were just we we're just doing the name game. And what you know, what we always do, and and you would know this because I'm sure you listened to your sister's podcast that we did with her. She didn't. No. Uh, don't tell her. She gets really mad when I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you didn't listen to it. Is that um? Is that we get the guests to introduce themselves? So why don't we why don't we let you do that and and maybe talk about this amazing place you are um, living in, ex- living in and existing in and 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 I say that because and I building know. and building community yes. in as well. Yes. Yeah, so I'm Selene Vicaria, and I'm the founder of Smart Women, which is a community for female entrepreneurs, both aspiring and working. And I live in Whitehorse in the Yukon. I think we've officially dropped the, the but you we'll know, all still okay, say the Yukon. That's what I was going to go there, because I've had uh, many <laughs> debates, many debates. Is it the Yukon? Yukon? You know and if Mark yeah. Anthony Ashfield's listened to this, he'll chime in, because he's. Cl- he, I've said the Yukon all the well, time. Well, because that's it was the Yukon territory, right? right. And, and interesting, I was in um, uh, Kiev in Ukraine uh, last year, and it's not the Ukraine, but it used to be many years ago. They dropped the the as well. So it's actually just Ukraine. So you'd never say the Ukraine. They only really dropped it for Twitter because they ran out of characters, you know? Amen to that. (laughs) (laughs) So, and I know, I know because I am the son of a very smart woman that there are a lot of smart women in the Yukon. Ah, in Yukon. The you just, you just did it. So anyway, so it's very nice to have you on. Um, we we love speaking with entrepreneurs uh, and community builders and movement makers, and we're we're excited to hear more about what you're doing and, and uh, love to hear Greg, about the White Horse uh, just, entrepreneurship just, just scene. Greg, you use too. your you use your sheet. I'll use my sheet. Okay, okay. <laughs> keep on going with my Good sheet. <laughs> yeah, so, 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 so thanks for having me on. Yeah, and yeah I mean. Dave, I don't know when you left Whitehorse, but it is thriving when it comes to entrepreneurship. Um, I mean, what's amazing about Whitehorse is that there is the infrastructure, there is the support, and there's still so much room for so much new ideas, right? There's, we only got a gourmet cheese shop in the past three years. We got our first knitting shop in the past four years, right? So there's all this room 
for people who have a great idea and have something that they wish existed to make it happen. Uh, I, lo- I love that. And we, I think we can relate to that here in New Brunswick as well, where we're in this city anyway, in St. John and in Miramichi and all over the place, actually, where um, we've only started to recently get that entrepreneurial groove where we're getting a ton of little microbreweries and barbershops, all the stereotypical ones, but those are stereotypical, stereotypical because they work. They give you that sense of community that we have forgotten about, right? Like going, you know, taking a walk down the street and going to your local bakery. Like when I was a kid, we had those, but then it fell out of fashion during the big box eras. You know, so we've gone through that shift as well. And it's really exciting when there's there's a vacuum for so many years. And once there's there's now a market for it, um, how cool that is to see what entrepreneurs come up with in places like Whitehorse. So given, yeah, but given given that you, there's this entrepreneurial spirit and I, I, you know, to be honest, you know, when you grow up in a place, you probably don't appreciate that as much. And um, and I'm an entrepreneur. My brother happens to be, um, I guess my, 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 I kind of, there was a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit in the family, but it wasn't ever encouraged. You know what I mean? It was people were, you know, and I think that's probably a generational thing. It was like, go get a career, all these things that, that I didn't do, um, but that were highly encouraged. And, uh, but what, so what was, what is happening in Whitehorse? And for people that haven't been, they got to go up there. Greg's been up there. I mean, you're there. Um, my parents, I go up there all the time. It's, it's a stunning place. But, um, and I've got some friends that, that are in that entrepreneurial community. But what, what were you finding and noticing that would have you start um, Smart Women? So, I founded a marketing business about five years ago now in Whitehorse. And what we were doing was we had, we were doing marketing strategies, really focused on marketing strategies. And what we were starting to find is that there was this huge group of people who were new entrepreneurs, kind of in the first pre-launch or first three years of their business that really needed a lot of marketing support, but either couldn't get the full strategy done by us or what would happen is that they would get us to create a strategy for them and then not really have the confidence or all the skills to implement it. And so what we really wanted to do was create something for that audience, which was showing people that marketing your business. We lost you. We're so sorry. Um, no, I'm, I'm not even in Whitehorse, so I can't even blame <laughs> <laughs> She said she's not even on Whitehorse. Yeah, no, no. I, th- I think it oddly was us because um, we're hardwired for our Ethernet, which is odd. So anyway, I switched over to Wi-Fi and bam, we're back. All so right. anyway, I'm sorry. Let's just rewind just uh, sure. maybe two minutes. I apologize for that. <laughs> I thought you guys, I was like, they're so focused on what I'm saying. I'm like, oh no, they're frozen. <laughs> they're frozen. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were. We were focused. Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> no, and you were you were just, and where I think things cut out is you were just giving us a sense of what, what people were missing and needing around marketing. I yep. guess the Wi-Fi petered out around that that point. Sure. So yeah, like I was saying, there's a lot of great ideas and passion in Whitehorse. And what we were kind of finding as a marketing business was that people, if they got a strategy for us, or if they got something from us, they didn't, did not necessarily have the confidence or the skills to implement it. And so we wanted to show people that marketing your business is doable, growing your business, building a business is doable for everyone and very achievable. And so we wanted to teach people the skills, help them cultivate the connections and community that they needed around their business uh, to really give people that inspiration and that support to make their business go from an idea, a passion to a full-fledged business. Awesome. And what are like a few examples of some neat businesses that are rocking up there? 
So one of my favorite ones is Klondike Kettle Corn. Uh, so she, and I love, this is, I think another great thing about Whitehorse too, is that because of its size, so small towns are the perfect place to start a business because you can validate your business idea really quickly and try out a bunch of new things. And Klondike Kettle Corn is one of the businesses that did that. So she started at the local farmer's market making kettle corn and now she's shipping across the country nice. like she has tons of flavors she's always collaborating with other entrepreneurs uh she's stocked in almost every grocery store every gas station and she's really grown exponentially so she's one that i feel like just has the full vibe and energy of whitehorse as a business in everything that she does do you know what's interesting? Um, yeah, and I don't know if this how this plays out, but I mean, tourism is a big part of the economy. So you probably you know get a lot of exposure as a small business. Like I think of mm, um, good point. I think of that uh, microbrew. I'm going to say, and uh, you know, beer worth freezing for. What's the uh, Yukon Brewing? Yukon Brewing, yeah. Which I yeah. actually I just had one of their cans yesterday. It's quite good. I'm not even kidding you. I, I uh, it was with uh, Red Racer beer out of BC, yeah. they did a, a co-brew right across the country. I'm pretty sure that was the one out of... Uh, oh, man, it's... Yeah, and it's and it, well, and I would... And, you know, and so people would be exposed to it going up and going through the Yukon and uh, or Yukon. And, um, I mean, you know, there's there's flights coming in from, I mean, I believe Tokyo and Frankfurt, you know, in, you know so you got, you got a lot of... I don't know, I could be wrong on that, but that's my... Um, you know, you see a lot of people coming to see the Northern Lights and the, and the beautiful North and, and enjoying winter and all those sorts of things. So... So how does that play into helping expose a brand or, or a product? I think what it does is it offers. So one of the things with a small town business is that at one point, oftentimes you need to export, right? Like you need to get out of your small town in order to really grow. And the tourism market gives the opportunity for there. It's bringing people in. It's offering exposure for the territory. And it's growing or cultivating this love for local on a global scale. So... There's such a great opportunity there. And if entrepreneurs know how to harness it and know how to really tap into it and tap into that market, it can go very well for them. So what are you noticing that um, like entrepreneurs in general, you know, and despite where they're from, but, but you know, when it comes to marketing and when it comes to, to getting and communicating a message and getting, you know, into the marketplace, what are you noticing is, are some of the maybe hiccups or bumps that people or obstacles that people tend to run, run into? So I think the biggest one, and I'm sure you folks talk about this all the time, is people not really, they know what the thing is that they love. They know their passion. They know the business they're building very well, but they don't always know their audience very well. And I see that creating not only uh, like hiccups in their marketing. So the content they're creating is not always on mark or it's not as clear as it could be, but also for themselves in making business decisions and filtering their millions ideas that entrepreneurs tend to have and choosing one to go forward and charting the path to go forward, not knowing their audience really intimately and really well and being very clear on that has that ripple effect across every business decision that they make. Well, you know, so what? Uh, so we actually have a training, and we start with, um, and we're gonna have. We'll have to invite we you should, to a live event, or we should or come do, up to or White do it Horse. In the Yukon. Yeah. You should come to White Horse. Actually, that, would be, that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> so we put idea. on these live events. We have an online course as well, and uh, it's how to be heard in a noisy marketplace. And it's just stuff we've learned, kind of bootstrapping and being entrepreneurs ourselves over the last fifteen years each. You know, um, plus I guess. Um, and and what we learned about how we got the podcast out and 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 the first the first one is exactly that but it's knowing like your what, avatar knowing your avatar persona and then being able to speak to it so 
so and we bring people like yourself on to go deeper because we know enough to be dangerous. Um, we also have the experience of like you know I'm an executive coach and and, and actually I was a, we just sold coaching to whoever you know and then you're you're speaking to no one because you're trying to speak to everyone. Um, mm-hmm. And Greg, you know, in terms of corporate or storytelling, I guess in general, um, how do you help someone? really um, narrow down and, 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 and define, you know, what that audience is? Like, what, what's, your, what's the strategy? What could, what could people take away that are listening to this that might want to do that and, and can't get, you know, can't get in touch with you to help them do that? So one of the first things that I really like to do is first confronting the fear around niching. Um, and I, I work primarily with female entrepreneurs, so I'm not sure if this is a fear that's shared outside of it, but it's a very strong fear for female entrepreneurs. There's the fear that, if I choose only one audience to talk to, am I not ignoring most of the market? Am I not really limiting myself, but also am I not limiting my passions, right? Like, well, if I'm choosing to do just this one thing, you know, what if I want to do something totally different later? Am I limiting myself? So there's a lot of fear there um, and a lot of like anxiety that really holds people back from even taking that first step. Um, so that's the first step is to kind of look at that, examine it and help people realize that there is enough of your market. Like, unless it's like the most niche thing ever, you know, maybe not, but for most niches out there, there is enough of them. And even the products that like, there's only 10 people in the world who want it, then it's priced for that because it's so specific, right? There is a, a market for your specific niche. So that's the first thing that I do. And then it really dives into what I've started focusing on is, who do you want to be your audience? You know, like you have worked with people. We've all worked with people at one job in our past that we (laughs) have been like, could never, I would like to never meet that person again or Mm -hmm. work with that person again. Mm -hmm. So who do you not want to work with? That's a really great place to narrow it down right away. Mm -hmm. And then focusing on who do you really want to work with? Like if you could only pick one person that you're changing their life or that you're making their life better in some way, Um, or someone who really values what you do, what does that look like? Who is the person who actually sees what you're doing and says, I value that so much. It's meeting my needs so much. I want to pay for it. Sorry, the fear thing though, that's such a, I think that's so important because it's so, and I don't think it's, it, I think it's, I think it's across genders, right? Um, you know, people, and I, I run across it a lot. In fact, I was on a coaching call this morning with an entrepreneur He's been doing really well and he's trying to create, you know, he's an IT business. He's looking at managed services and trying to get out of, you know, try to be more B2B instead of B2C and talking about, you know, these really frustrating clients that come in with their laptops and the ta- amount of time he's spending. And, and, and it's really a fear question. Like, you know, it, it really became about exactly that, which is well, what, you know, what, you know, why do you keep servicing those clients as, you know, your company and why do you spend time there? And I think it's exactly that. Do you find people are, um, when you examine that, to what degree are they comfortable maybe, because it's just kind of a vulnerable thing to do to say, well, you know what, I'm scared. I'm, I'm actually really mm-hmm. nervous about this. Or what if this, you know, whatever there isn't a market for this? I mean, how, how do you, how do you tackle that? So I think there's two ways. One, I like to think of myself as a reluctant entrepreneur. I do not want to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> I have fear about pretty much everything in the entrepreneurial journey. I'm scared all the time. So I think showing people that uh, makes them realize that like, okay, this is a very normal thing. Right. Um, and kind of just sharing my experiences with that. Yeah. And then also helping people realize the principle of, you know, when you say yes to everything, you're actually not making room for the things that really feed you. Oh my gosh. We can relate to that, Dave. Oh yeah. Totally. In fact, when we do our, when we do our live training, we, uh, we usually talk about that for me when we're talking about defining our avatar, our customer profile. It's like, 
when I started my film company, I was trying to do videos for everybody and anybody. And like you said, if you don't have a niche, you're not going to really get anywhere. You know, so mm-hmm. it's uh, it was exhausting. It's exhausting. Yeah, you're not going to get awesome. anywhere because you. Yeah, it's uh, and yeah. And the fear, and I mean, I, and then part of that fear, I, I believe, is um, or at least I'm hearing, is that if and you touched on it, but if I say no to that, what if someone else doesn't come in behind? So you have to have a lot of you know it's faith and confidence that there is that market out mm-hmm. there for you. Yeah, yeah, and I think like also realizing that it's okay to start slow. I mean, I did the same thing when I first started my business. I just said yes to everything and then realize very quickly what happens is you're like, oh, I've tapped out of my available time and now am I doing as good of work as I want to be doing? Am I stressed all the time? I was working like weekends and evenings all the time. Um, And so really realizing that there's enough out there it's okay to start slow. If they're not all snowballing right away, it will happen. And really setting that realistic expectation for, especially for new entrepreneurs, right? When people are like, everything we see is, oh, my first launch made $100,000. Oh, I immediately had all these clients. And it's like, those people were at it for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And you will be as well before things start building. If you have a chance, there's a, I think there's a really interesting podcast with Matt Sims. We did uh, oh, yeah, two, a, a, two weeks ago, yeah. three weeks ago. Um, and he, he really speaks to that, um, you know, and, and just really authentically and honestly with, with humility. Um, and ironically, we interviewed him a few years back and, and somehow we lost the recording. We, 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 we interviewed the poor guy <laughs> and then he reminded us that it never <laughs> showed up on the air. I was like, yes, it did. And we, we couldn't we, find it. We, couldn't, we lost yeah. his interview. So. But, but what, he, what he was saying is he was telling us that in the journey – over these years, he goes, if, if we could go back, you would have heard a much more kind of, um, he, you know, I think he described it as arrogant maybe yeah, almost, yeah. right? Um, and then the reality, because, and, he, and anyways, what we were talking about, which I thought was so awesome, and I really appreciate you bringing it up, is that, you know, like in Good to Great, they talk about, you know, one of the things is 10 years to be an overnight success, you know, this idea. But but everyone has this this image in their head that, you know, geez, if I'm not doing X, you know, 10X and, you know, within, you know, my first nine months or my first five years or whatever it is, am I doing something wrong? And the, the reality is that, you know, it, it does take time. And I don't mm-hmm. and I don't know if everyone likes to hear that. Mm. We are, I mean, I'm the most impatient person ever. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, I, 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 <laughs> like as I'm saying it, I'm like I, like, I don't like to admit it, but yeah, this is taking a freaking long time, you know? No, it's, it's true. And we, we talk about this too, as like Dave and I both started our business around the same time-ish, which I think is close to 15 years ago, probably. And uh, Coming up. I, you know, I saw those questions constantly. I'm like, why are we still right. just growing like this? Yeah. And then some, and then I think it was Matt's, the same guy we're talking about. His interview was interesting because he reminded me that there's something really amazing about being at a certain size. That's not that big scaled 10x, because you can actually enjoy certain levels of profitability that you wouldn't be able to at, at the larger or have lifestyle or whatever. You know, so yeah, no, which is and it's actually a, a, and he and he references like you know like you know the real story behind Netflix and you know and and some good examples of of the it didn't just happen overnight and all you know they were shipping whatever videos all over before, you know. <laughs> they were that's yeah. true the dvds yeah. right so they took them a while to figure this out and you know they're a great example of something that went big but it didn't happen overnight and you know all the ups and downs and pivots and all that kind of stuff um but i you know you, I, you've touched on something greg that i wanted to ask and um and i think it's important whether you're a man or a woman but i think in particularly with women you know this whole idea of everyone i'm not going to use the word balance but integrating the different roles of your life you know into your business and you know, and, and, um, 
you know, the, the importance of that. How does how do you find that playing out within the, the the entrepreneurial community with females? So I think that to me kind of relates to the same thing of um, expectations set by looking around us, right? Expectations set by comparison. And something that I really like to talk about is called business fit. So building a business that actually fits with what you want and what your vision of success is. I think one of the biggest um, limiting blocks that we can come up with or limiting beliefs is that we're trying to live out someone else's success. And we think that's what a successful business looks like because it's successful for someone else. And really understanding what success looks like for us, what business we really want to be building and living in is really essential to finding that balance because it's not necessarily a work-life balance. It's more about finding what works for you and building a business that works Mm -hmm. for you. And there's actually a really great uh, Yukon example where uh, it was a company that was doing quite well and then they got funding to grow and they grew so fast and so big and no longer really enjoyed it. And I think that happens to a lot of people is that you're like, oh, I'm trying to live this other success. I want to have it. And then you get it and you're either it's a slog to get there or you get there and you're like, so I hate this. Yeah. <laughs> what do I do and, now? And then what's the win? Well, yeah. pers- personally, what's the win at that point? Like, obviously, it's a win for the economy and all these other things and jobs. But uh, I, I think that is such a like, like if I could speak to any young entrepreneur, it'd be it'd be all this, this whole theme of it's OK to go slow enjoy it's like my my 10 year old daughter the other day said mommy daddy i I wish i was your age and i was like no you don't (laughs) enjoy this but here's the cute thing but after after i quickly like uh like threw back at her i was like no you gotta enjoy your childhood she was like well if if i was your age um you know um i i could have helped fix fix climate change uh so many years earlier gosh damn Is that cute? I was like, I suppose in yeah. 1980, yeah. you know, when I was your age and, uh, you know, 1987, I probably should have been working on climate change too. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Anyway, a little side note. Well, <laughs> so, so part of it is like, is, yeah, so helping people understand what they value and, and building a business around that is a really attractive idea. And I, I wonder if people started with that versus, and, you know, and so what I've rub, rubbed up against is, um, I kind of realized about year five, I have a really nice lifestyle business, mm. right? And mm. then for whatever reason, and I actually have some good reasons. I, I love where this is going. I thought, well, wait, I, this this could be more, you know, I want, it's not that I want more, but I think- there's I think bigger, someone told you you want more, there's, there's, I think. There's a bigger impact that, that, that you, Dave, you could be having, or I felt mm-hmm. I could be having yep. if yeah. we could get this thing called coaching out and, you know, and I still feel that way. But I got to admit, the the path to trying to support and scale and the impact it has had on that lifestyle has been significant. And um, I look at pictures and I go, how could I, I look so much younger back then, you know what I mean? <laughs> so there is a true cost. So you can use me as an example. Like this guy used to have hair, you know, he, he, he had a- That's true, he, I, I remember. He, he had a, a mullet, he had all these great things and look at him now, you uh, know? Well, I, I just want to <laughs> jump on in there too and uh, something it'd be really neat to hear if this is true in your community as well. Uh, Dave and I are very involved with our entrepreneur uh, ecosystem here, and we're part of a like a, a forum, an entrepreneur forum, and we're really connected in that space. But I remember this ten years ago when I joined that that group or more. Um, okay, I, I remember I learning that. about lifestyle because one of my cohort members said, "Well, Greg, you've got a lifestyle business," but it came across like that that was a disease or that was wrong, right? Because I remember the message that was pounded into us. 
as we it was like scale, 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 grow, 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 economy, you know, all this. And and people would just think you're cute if you had a lifestyle business. And I remember taking that to heart a little bit because I was like, oh, maybe maybe I do have to scale. And maybe I do have to go global. And, you know, I still today am looking at different ways of, of doing that. But um, I think we need to celebrate the lifestyle businesses and realize that we can make serious money and have a lifestyle and give back to our community by, by staying, I don't mean small, but whatever that lifestyle small is, if you choose to but, do and, it, and what's it's wrong, to be celebrated. What, what's wrong with small? Like, what's wrong with- I know. Like, what, like it's like- It's because we, we bought into the, a little bit of that lie for a while. I did anyway, but uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that yeah. true up there too? Like that, that myth? Um, I think, yeah. And I think it's an interesting myth because you're right. Like the myth is we all build businesses to sell them, to get out of them. Why? Right. Like, no, if you're building a business, that's something you love and you're having the impact you love. Why would you not want to keep doing that? Why would you want to just get rid of it and try something new? And there's definitely that pressure as well in the North, because that pressure comes to a degree, I think, from people who want the economy to develop. Right. And that's a very traditional development model. But I agree. I think my argument has always been, well, if you have a whole community of people and they're each making a good amount of income, they're staying local and they're spending that money local. Is that not equally or at least quite up there in terms of being beneficial for the community? And if you have a bunch of people who love the community they're in and their businesses are built around supporting that community because that's the impact they want to have, is that not better long-term for your community? And then to add to that, and we've witnessed this in Atlanta, Canada, uh, you, you go to that venture capital model where, you know, Sure, these bu- these businesses are blowing up, but it's all investor dollars, and a lot of those investment dollars are local capital. And there's a good chance, not a good chance, but a, there's there's good percentages of those companies that end up not working. So almost there, there could be an argument of saying the earned money on the the non venture side uh, should be celebrated uh, as economic uh, you know foundations just as much as these big you know. Uh, unicorn attempts that <laughs> that seem to, to come and go I, all the time. I, I, I you know another I think interesting point would be um, this idea that you know what is ec- like like measuring economic impact versus um, I think it's a model that you see a lot as a political agenda. How many jobs have you created? And mm-hmm. um, you know, and I, I find that frustrating because you yeah. know, especially if you're a business that does you, that, that leverages subcontracting and you know that sort of thing, you're not creating jobs purposefully, right? Um, and there, but there is there's a lot of you know impact that you're having um, on the economy. It's just you know through the lawyers you hire, through the you know what you know if you use a fractional CFO versus hiring one, you know all these sorts of things, right? So, um, but I wonder if some of the scaling stuff is more of a, maybe that's more of a guy thing too. Is that, is that, is, is it, is it equally as, um, the ego driven kind of thing happening on the female side too? <laughs> uh, I think it might look a little different. I think part of it is like we talked about where it's someone else's success. So there's still that pressure that, you know, if you're not having like $10,000 months or if your first launch hasn't made a ton of money, then you're not doing well. Uh, And I think the ego is slightly different, but it's still there. I think it exhibits more as a fear of failure Mm. than as a a different type of ego, but it's still there. Right. And I think I've never thought about it that way, but I think that is what it is. You're that's a good word for it, where you're worried if you go out there and do something big and something you're passionate about and it doesn't work out, has that reflect on you? How does Mm. that make you feel about yourself? And I think we need to really redefine, one, what failure is. It's actually quite good. And two, what business is. I mean, 
I kind of hate the word lifestyle business because I agree. I think it really minimizes what a business is and how hard you're working yeah. and yeah, good the point. impacts you're having. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. I mean, we that's a healthy debate because I would actually say, I think it's awesome if someone has a lifestyle that they're really happy. We have a good friend, Chris Nadeau. He is this really, he's, he, this guy, he has an entrepreneur in his own way. And he, it just, um, he, you know, he spends a lot of time with his kids and you know what I mean? Like, and you see the stuff he's doing and this isn't, he's for, living for like show. a, like a, like a multimillionaire because he's built a, a sustainable business that allows him time. Yeah. Right? And he's, yeah. I, he, and hopefully he hears this cause it's a nice plug for him. Cause he just does, <laughs> he's very cool stuff. Um, and I, I actually, I sit back and I go, good for you. That's awesome. You know what I mean? And and um, and it, and it, to your point, it shouldn't minimize how hard you're working. But I mean, but if it's affording where you can, you know, do some really cool things, the things you value, whatever those may be. I mean, how cool is that? I, you know, the other thing I wonder is, I wonder if being from a smaller region, so you take, you know, Yukon or, or New Brunswick, um, maybe that fear of failure is greater because more people are aware of what you're doing. Mm, small community. You're, you know, your community's that much smaller. Like if you- They're hyper proud of you, but they're also hyper like disappointed in you if you fail. Or, 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 yeah. or there's an perception. assumption, that's perception perception of that. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I wonder if that might be, there might be a hypersensitivity to that in, you know, up north or, or out east. That's a really good point because you're right. Like everybody knows what you're doing. Everybody knows who you are, which is nice because like I go- um, I mean, I went on the plane to come to Toronto this week and definitely saw like three people I knew on, or I didn't really, they knew me. <laughs> I should know them, um, on the plane. So everyone knows what you're doing and who you are. So it's true. People would be quite aware. And after this broadcast, I mean, you won't be able to go anywhere. I'm uh, telling that's you, right. like yeah. nowhere. I mean, people will be recognizing you everywhere. But she's, she's the one from the bowling <laughs> point. So listen, um, my friend Stacy uh, McLean, who also lives up in, lived up in your town. She goes, I said, I took a picture of you on the screen here. Hope you don't mind. Uh, I said, "Hey, do you uh, do you know uh, Celine?" And then she, I, I said, "I'm interviewing her right now." Stacy says, "I sure do. She's awesome. She's giving me some pottery she made. Tell her I say oh, hi." Great. <laughs> I did get her pottery. There you go. I'm way better pottery now. I just understand. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it just you know, how do people learn more? Well, there's yeah. a couple things. I want to I want to actually put a shameless plug. Um, we do we do business all over, um, our coaching business, we deliver, we deliver remotely, we deliver all over. I have this dream of, um, spending more time up North, um, because I've got a beautiful, beautiful cabin, not cottage cabin up at Marsh Lake. Um, you know, I, I, you know, my parents are there. I got a lot of good friends there still, you know, that reside there. I jump on the plane to go up there. I don't recognize anyone cause I've been gone for so long. Um, but I would love to do more business up there. So I would like to talk to you about that that potential um, mm-hmm. uh, just because I think it would be really cool. I think we should bring Boiling Point Process and up and get you should, as one of our experts. I, actually, I think we should do that too. That would be really cool. So so that's another thing we can talk about. Um, but but so that's th- those, are our, those are our wants. So just uh, keep that in mind. But in terms of people listening and they're going, oh, wow, like, you know, I'm, I'm not from Whitehorse, but I'd love to learn more. Um, how, do they, how do they reach you? How do they learn more about you and what you're doing? Sure. So I'm on Facebook at Smart Pop-Ups, so SMRT Pop-Ups. Um, and then same, I have a website, smrtpopups.com, where there's a whole section called Smart Women, and it's all the events that we're doing locally, um, a bunch of resources, free tools to sign up for, uh, and information there. Incredible. And well, I know I know you probably don't want to put this there, but you have a pretty interesting phone number I'm looking here. I, like, <laughs> who, who has... 
I know one. You know what? There's a guy. There's a guy in in Whitehorse who's from uh, New Brunswick, and he still carries a New Brunswick phone number. He's up there. He's in construction. He's doing doing a build up there, but his number's five oh six. You know, different area code, but three 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 three. No way. Yeah. Well, you you just gave millions of people your friend's phone number. I know. Well, Scott, Scotty, nice. The, oh, Scotty, Scotty darling, darling, you're gonna get right. lots of calls now, but but I won't give away your number. But it's 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 very close. So I just thought uh, of bam. Yeah. That's oh. funny. Yeah. I can never lose it. I have to also keep a Yukon number everywhere I ever <laughs> totally, go. Totally, totally. It'd be so awesome. easy to reach you. And also for our listeners uh, who haven't figured this out yet, um, Celine's sister was on the Math Guru was a guest on the Boiling Point. I don't know how many weeks or months ago. Probably within a year, maybe. I don't know. And that was awesome. I don't know when was it. We it had was a great. Lot I listened to the whole thing, and yeah, it was amazing. The lie detector test determined that was a lie. <laughs> Yeah, you're yes. way ahead. I was just going there. I was going there. <laughs> and why are we laughing right now? Because we're so joyous that you support your sister's but, but, podcast. But, but, but you know what was really, actually, here's a really interesting, it, she talked about being on Canada's Smartest Person, uh, which I believe, right? Am I getting? Yeah. I'm not yeah. Up. And what was interesting is my son had just come off of being on Canada's Smartest Person Junior. So it was oh, just, right. yeah, it was such an interesting, so I got I got home, I said, buddy, you, you'll never guess who I met. And, you know, and he was like, oh, that was cool. That. So it's just, it was an, it's just such an interesting, and then and then this connection with the Yukon, so, so, so interesting. So we're obviously meant to know each other. And, and I know this isn't about your sister, but she also told me about her band and I tried to find it and I couldn't find it. What, what's the name of her band again? Good night, comma, sunrise. Good oh, you have to put in the comma, otherwise you get a different band. Comma, sunrise. Okay, yeah. I can't wait. Do you play too? Yeah. No, not at all. <laughs> um, but they actually they came up to the Dawson City Music Festival two years ago and that was really fun no way yeah. oh, man. my family has long said they will never visit me in the Yukon so that was the loophole okay <laughs> so what did take you up there just as a last final yeah. question um you know I just want to oh god it's such a it's such a Toronto thing to say maybe I won't say the whole thing you being from the Yukon um <laughs> but I, I, I just had never really thought about living there. Didn't know anything about it at all. Like I had never been, had never looked at photos, knew nothing about it. And I just really wanted something very different and very new. Wow. And then within the same week, three different people said, you should move to the Yukon. So I did. And then I landed and was very happy to see that there was a river and there was mountains because I had no idea. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> but I remember when I first landed, it was so I landed in March. It'll be my sixth year anniversary, I think, this coming in March. Yeah. And I landed and I remember the first time a raven landed next to me. I was just like, oh my what <laughs> it is huge. And now I think they're adorable and small, but oh, at the time gosh. I'm just like, this is the biggest thing. Well, you, I've haven't, ever seen. you haven't been up long enough if you think they're I mean, they would just rip your your garbage apart and those freaking <laughs> ravens. Um what um you know what's interesting? My my parents came from went from Toronto up there. They've been up there for almost fifty years. When they went, and my dad was uh, he was in a law firm, and he was telling his his you know kind of people that he was he was going he was going north, and they were saying, why would you want to go north of four hundred one? Like what's up there? <laughs> You know, oh it's a Central Canadian thing, what's right? Up it's a tri- there? What, like what's like up north? The, the north, country north, is up there. No, the whole north, country. Like they were thinking like Markham or something like that. Was yeah. like they, they had no sense of these actually. Good lord. <laughs> um, so listen, we we do uh, takeaways at the end. Just to, it's a super quick segment. Uh, would you do us the honors of saying? Uh, and now it's time for the boiling point takeaways. 
And now it's time for the Boiling Point Takeaways. Oh my gosh, so well done. She should do them all the time, right? Yes. Uh, Dave, <laughs> she's a marketer. This has been an awesome interview. Yeah. Uh, no surprise, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, beaming down uh, from the, the spirit of uh, of the Yukon via Toronto. Uh, have, we've been having an amazing uh, conversation with uh, Celine. And I, know, I don't want to destroy your last name, Vakaria. Yeah, that's Sweet. it. Sweet. I know, but you're, uh, but you're, not, you're not doing the first name right. Oh, Celine. Yeah. Ah. Dang. Okay, so <laughs> all this to say, uh, take away, um, I'll, I'll do the first one, Dave, if you don't mind. Like for me, I really enjoyed this podcast because I'm, I'm seeing so much of our entrepreneurial ecosystem in St. John, New Brunswick, the small, emerging, uh, previously ignored um, little uh, community. Uh, in your experiences in helping incubate and inspire other entrepreneurs up in uh, Whitehorse, uh, so it's been really cool to share those uh, those experiences. Very similar, uh, probably a lot more uh, similarities than you would you would think. And so that that's been my uh, okay. Experience. Well, I I mean, it's fun to talk to someone that's living in the north and all those those things and all these people in common. So that that's cool. I think. I like that first step, figuring out who your audience is. You know, when Celine was talking about working with a client, you know, the importance of that. And and what I liked also is just that dealing with the fear of going through that process of figuring mm-hmm. out who it is. Because, you know, it's it's so true and I've, I've picked up on that many times in this conversation, in my own, you know, in my own thinking, but also um, in, in conversations with clients. So we're going to, we're going to throw it back to you. Uh, final, yeah. final thoughts. What have you learned what today? Did, what, what are your takeaways? <laughs> Uh, I mean, one, I love what a small world this is. Um, But I think my biggest takeaway from this is the idea of what success is, is really in the eye of the person who's running the business, right? And whether it's whatever their lifestyle business or their their other business, if they want to grow, if they want to scale, if they want to grow small, whatever that is, it's okay if it's right for you. That was perfectly said. Amen. And in fact, that was my takeaway as well, but I didn't want to take it from, from you. <laughs> I figured it was going to be yours too. Anyway, thank well, you so I, much. Can I mention yes, one other yeah, one? And, and, if the, and if they can, if they, John or, uh, can edit this in, I really like Slynn's like, look when we, we had the, the, the you know, the, the, <laughs> the Wi-Fi freeze. freeze and then we'd come back and we get that look. So we got, we got to capture that. That was, yeah, that was 100%. brilliant. <laughs> it feels very much like old person using computer. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Just very, just, just not, not, yeah, exactly. Who's in there? Where are you? That box. That's hilarious. Uh, so, well, thanks right. so much. And we, we, we're serious. We love, love to bring the boiling point process up uh, sometime. And I'm going to talk to my friend Natalie, who uh, previously uh, was looking for ways to get me to come up and speak to some students about entrepreneurship and social media. So, who knows? Maybe we can get a bunch of uh, ways to make something like that. It's work. only, it's only three flights. From and we can stay at your cabin. It'd be yes. perfect. Yeah. yeah. Let's no, yeah, up. let's definitely talk about it. I think it'd be really beneficial for everyone up there. And there there is some I know some people in the ecosystem who, you know, have the funding to bring people up. So let's talk about that for okay. sure. We'll send you an email. Thanks so much, Celine. Thanks so much for having me on. All right, take care, Celine. Thank you so much. Talk soon. Talk to you. All right, cheers. Take care. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling.
I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.